your flagship of Golden State Warriors basketball. 95.7 The Game presents... Pulls up from downtown. Beyond the Arc. Got it! Brought to you by Mountain Mike's Pizza. Now we take you 23 feet, 9 inches, and then some. Boldly go where no man has gone before. To the voice of Warriors basketball, Tim Roy. Draymond Green takes a hand up. Quickly accelerates front court to Durant. One dribble, two step, look out! Right hand slam for Kevin Durant. 81 76, KD now with 19. And Knight gets it back. Booker never came back. Goes up, blocked again! And this time it was by Durant. Curry gets the ball in the front court, takes a three. Got it for about 30 feet! Curry! Crossover dribble, drives into trouble, on the go, bank shot no good, Looney the rebound after McCaw, it's a three and it's nothing but the bottom of the net. 12 point lead for Golden State with 39 seconds to go in the third. Some of the highlights from Sunday's game against the Phoenix Suns and what an exciting second half that was including the 15-1 run in the fourth quarter that helped the Warriors put the game away. Big nights for Clay Thompson, Steph Curry each had 30. Big night for Kevin Durant, he had 29 points. And the Warriors are now 8-2 on the season. Through the first 10 games of the year, a work in progress. The Warriors are learning more and more about each other. I think we're seeing little flashes, quarters, moments. Uh, I think the Denver game on the road Last week was probably their most complete game of the season, but I think the Warriors are coming along at a pace that they're very, very comfortable with right now. Now here on Beyond the Arc, tonight the show is going to be full of fun and information. We will go to Sekou Smith of NBA.com later on in the hour and get his thoughts on the Warriors and the four teams on this road trip, including Toronto, where the Warriors are right now. They'll play the Raptors, our annual sojourn north of the border, and then, of course, on to Boston, Milwaukee, and Indiana. Don't forget, tomorrow, Warriors and Raptors starts at 4.30 with the pregame show right here on 95.7 The Game. Crystal Clear FM. We'll also find out how Sean Livingston was helping out the Bay Area community. I'll answer your questions on our Warriors Vox segment. But first up on the show, JaVale McGee. He's been a player of intrigue on this Golden State Warriors roster. A lot of fans have wanted to see what JaVale can add to this team. He definitely brings a presence inside, a guy that will protect the rim at all costs, and a player that you can throw the ball up to toward the rim on the offensive end, and he knows what to do with it there. He is a different type of player than the Warriors have on the roster. But I wanted to find out a little bit more about him and about his role with the team. That's his role with the team is where we start the conversation here on Beyond the Arc. Jones down the lane, stops, hand off McGee. One dribble over to McCall, right baseline drive, back to McGee. Right hand, power slam! Everybody get out of the way! Hide the valuables! 3.33 to go! And the Warrior bench, hands on hands, going, oh my goodness! Well, JaVale, we're, we're 10 games in to your uh, Golden State Warriors part of your career and, of course, the preseason and, and, and training camp. And and I think you and, and everybody else is is working hard to try to figure this all out, to see where all the pieces will fit. And, and so give me your thoughts on, on the Warriors so far and, and what you see and, and how do you see your role? 
Um, I mean, we're playing great. We we all have to mesh because um, it's a lot of new guys and even a lot of start new starters. So we all have to figure it out and uh, figure out how everybody's going to get their points, how we're going to work out defensively, who passes to who, who's going to be in the corner. So it's so much stuff, and people come from different systems. So, but we're, we're meshing pretty well. We got a pretty good record right now, and um, I feel like we're only getting better. How difficult is it when you when you move from team to a to another team, and it's a different system. Terminology is a little bit different. You might be running the same play, but it's called something different. Uh, how difficult is that to pick up? Um, it's it's somewhat difficult, but uh, you just have to you just have to. It comes with the territory. It's the same thing as if you had a job. You have to you have to learn the new system of anything. So, um, but it's just probably more complicated because Zaza came from Dallas. Uh, which is a different system than what KD runs in OKC and what they run now in Golden State. So we just all have to get on the same wavelength and we'll be good. You know, it's interesting. I think you found out in, in the when you, you got the early call in Denver, and I think Steve Kerr is, is great about that. He always tells guys to be ready. You never know when you, you may get that call early or late. And uh, I think you found out that, that if uh, on the high screen roll, they will throw that lob past you. Floats it high in the air. Former game. He slams it down. Beautiful pass by Clark. And JaVale McGee with a dunk. Oh, man, they'll throw it at, at any means necessary. They'll throw it. So uh, I'm just happy that they're they're looking for me, and uh, I'm going to just keep rolling and uh, looking for it. You've been on a, d- a number of different teams with different personalities. What you know? What do you see when you look around the gym and then you see you've got an MVP over here, an MVP over there, you got Clay Thompson, you got Draymond. What's that like? Um, I mean, it's a whole different – it's even more personalities on this team, but uh, everybody's great, everybody's positive, and uh, everybody's a winner. You know, it's interesting. The, the Warriors are a team, I think, that the last few years has – you know, their core group has really uh, matured and come together, and we've been able to watch it all. And before you came here, what were your thoughts on the Warriors and what did you see uh, during that progression? Um, before I came here, I mean, I, I just you really don't get the same experience than being here. Um, you just see them winning, and uh, but now that I'm here, you see how hard it is actually to to get these wins and how everybody comes at you every game with their best with their best. So it's uh, it's not as easy as we as we make it look. Yeah, it is. That's one thing. The Warriors have had a bullseye on their back the last couple of years, and it's it's true. Every night we're seeing a grade A effort uh, against the Warriors. JaVale McGee is our guest, and, and, uh, and what prompted you to come to the Warriors? I'm sure you had other choices. Why come here? Um, I mean, it would definitely be a, a staple in my in my career to win a championship. And uh, I, when they when they sent uh, Bogus to Dallas, it was more like it was a hole in in, in the defense and in a above the rim player that I, I felt like I could feel. So I definitely was excited coming to learn a little bit more about Javale McGee for our fans to learn that you're a Flint, Michigan guy. You're a Flintstone. Indeed. <laughs> we've, we've had a, a couple of those before here on the Warriors, and we, we know one thing. The, the, those guys are tough, and they play hard. Yeah, definitely. That's all we do is just we play hard. When you were uh, – obviously, you grew up in a, in a basketball family. Your mom, Pam, was an All-American player at USC and uh, won Olympic gold. 
so growing up with that kind of a mom, you know, t- tell me a little bit about that. Tell, how, how did she help you progress along the way, and 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 did she prepare you for your NBA career? Um, definitely, she had me working hard. I, I even remember one time when, in, uh, I think it was sixth grade, when we were playing, and uh, when I had a game, and she said I didn't play good. She woke me up at six a.m. and this is in the middle of winter, and had me running in Timberland boots outside the school and it's snowing like mountains of snow and like i'm I'm like teary-eyed and mad but now that i look at it and that's just the hard work that she was instilling in me yeah that's 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 a that's a lot that obviously you'll never forget that story yeah never (laughs) so country day high school and then you end up in in uh, chicago for your high school ball uh any particular memories of that and and who are some of the players that you played against in high school um, I mean, I played against a, a, a lot of players. Actually. D. Rose, was no, he came out my year, but he was a year younger than me. It was just a whole bunch of players who aren't in the league now, I guess. You end up at the University of Nevada, as mm-hmm. we kind of could do this chronologically through your through your career. Reno's a lot different than Flint or Chicago or or Detroit. Why? why what was the attraction um, at playing for the Wolfpack? Personally, I was trying to go as far west as possible because I wanted to just I just wanted to go west. I wanted to get as far as home from possible because I was always at home and that's all I knew. So I was trying to get as far west, and all the other schools that were on the west coast were trying to redshirt me. And um, Coach Mark Fox, who was the coach at Nevada at the time, told me I was going to play my freshman year. So I was like, I'm going here. Now you uh, played played at Nevada, and and then you get drafted by the Washington Wizards, and playing in the district. That's a great basketball area. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was that experience like for you? And and what did you learn maybe as an early NBA player that you apply now? Um, I mean, what I learned was was winning is everything. I probably had my my best stat careers in Washington. I remember one year, I think it was, uh, I think it was the year that Roy Hibbert had got to, uh, was an all-star. Me and him had had uh, nearly the same stats uh, often, I mean, uh, on um, on points and rebounds, but his team was winning, and we, we only had like 20 wins, like we weren't going to the playoffs, you know what I'm saying? So, it, it's all about, it's all about winning, that's, that's what I figured out there. When you were in, in Washington, is is there a different vibe playing in Washington D.C.? Um, I mean, it's definitely a different vibe. They're they're a tough crowd. They, if you don't win, they they're gonna tell you about it. Yeah, that's interesting. It's a great, like I said, it's a great, but great historical basketball area. And you know, you were talking about uh, your uh, averages in in Washington when you started in, in the 2008. You had a about six points and and uh, f- almost four rebounds, but then in years three through seven, that's when it seemed like you really got to got into your rhythm. Double figure points, eight rebounds, blocks. Uh, it's that and that's that's a that's kind of a, a usual timeline for for most players because it does take a couple of years to figure all this out. Um, yeah, definitely, it definitely takes a couple of years, and uh, the opportunities were there, and I feel like that's what really helped me out. I remember one game you had against against us, against the Warriors. Uh, you had what, 28 points and, and like 18 rebounds, and, and you barely played 30 minutes. Do you remember that game? Yeah, I do remember that game. I think that was my career high, 28, yeah. 28 and 17. I think it was, and uh, yeah, that was that was a great game. Robinson has it. Alley oop! Ah, Javale McGee. Oh, the big fella's doing everything tonight. He's blocking shots. He's kissing old ladies. He's alley-oop Duncan. He's having a good old time out there. 
I'm trying to remember who was who was uh, who were the the setters and the power uh, forwards and for the Warriors. I forgot his name. I think it's Uday or or I forgot. Epeudo. Epeudo. This is not. Oh wow. Ball to McGee. Low left. McGee backs down. Udo muscles it. Goes up and slams it down. Stepping to the rim and throwing it down. Epeudo out of Baylor, who's no, unfortunately no longer uh, in the league. A really, really nice guy. And probably uh, Beadrance might have been around then, too. Possibly. So JaVale McGee's our guest on Beyond the Arc. We're learning a little bit more about JaVale McGee. And tell me about your children's fund and and, uh, and what that is about and what do you do with it? Um, I mean, we, we have a... Uh, we have turkey drives. We have Christmas giveaways. Um, we were, we we added that until when Flint needed water, we sent waters there. Um, it's basically it's basically not just for children. It's just just community, just community awareness and trying to give money give money back. That's really what it is. It's interesting. I think it's a, especially in in today's world, it's needed now more than ever. You yeah, know, definitely. I mean, just to give kids the opportunity. We used to. Uh, years ago, the Warriors were, were giving away uh, packaged box uh, turkey dinners that were ready to go for families. And I remember just seeing the, 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 the relief from the moms and the joy from the kids. That made that whole effort worthwhile. Yeah, definitely. Every, every year I do a turkey drive, and I think I'm doing one this year in Oakland. And uh, I'm just, it's just so, so relieving seeing their face come up to you. And then they're like, I didn't know what I was going to do for Thanksgiving. So um, it's definitely a blessing just handing out turkeys. Yeah, it's it's a it's a great it's a great thing. It like gives uh, families that sense of normalcy and and uh, and kind of gets them into the holiday spirit. And and they, again, for the kids, it's it's just awesome. That's a job well done there, Javale. Job well it. done. So Javale, as we wrap up this conversation, tell me uh, again. Go back to to your role, your conversations with the coaching staff, and 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 what what do they expect of you? What would you like to give for them? Um, um, they expect me to, to roll, uh, set hard screens, roll hard, uh, play above the rim, and protect the rim. And uh, that's all I'm trying to do, uh, and, and run the floor extremely hard. That's all I'm trying to, to bring to this team, just another dynamic that, that's not out there right now. And uh, and I just feel like with, with me out there running, it just makes the floor of the game a lot easier. All right, Javelle, I appreciate your time here on Beyond the Arc. Appreciate it. Hope you enjoyed the conversation with JaVale McGee. I know I did. Well, on Sunday night for Filipino Heritage Night, the Warriors showed their support on the court with culturally inspired shooting shirts. Now the team is offering a variety of Filipino Heritage headwear, T-shirts for women, men, and kids, and other unique items. Get your Filipino Heritage apparel tonight at warriors.com. We continue on Beyond the Arc. We'll answer your questions on Warriors Vox, and then Sean Livingston gives back to the Bay Area community and Seku Smith of NBA.com later on in the hour here on Beyond the Arc on 95.7 The Game, Crystal Clear FM. We're going back. Takes about a 30-footer. Way back to Beyond the Arc. Presented by Mountain Mike's Pizza. The Warriors 2016-2017 season is presented by Kaiser Permanente. Hi, Tim Roy. We continue here on Beyond the Arc with your questions at Warriors Vox. So you can send me an email at uh, Tim Roy, T-I-M-R-O-Y-E, at Warriors.com. We'll start with Kind Fresh, who wants to know, with Damian Jones going to the D-League, are there plans to integrate him into the rotation this year if he does well? Well, absolutely. If somebody's playing great, you're going to find a, a spot for him in the rotation. You know, coaches never sat someone down because they were playing well. And so for Damian, I think right now, his charge is to go down the D-League 
see how his his arm feels and how he plays down there and find out a little bit more about the NBA game. Remember, he has not played a moment for the Warriors in, in preseason or in regular season. He's just been in practice and working out before the games. He's doing a great job there, but there will be a learning curve. I mean, if he hits the floor and plays great right away, that'll be a little bit of a surprise and a great bonus for Golden State. But always uh, intriguing to look out at, at, at a big guy to see what kind of potential is there. In fact, let's go to a, a comment from Damian Jones about his comeback and about his rehab and playing in the D-League. Yeah, it's exciting, you know, it's just uh, being around a great group of guys, you know, people who, like, a lot of, you know, respect on them, and uh, just playing with, uh, you know, some of the other, other big guys, you know, get to learn as much as possible from them for my first year, and try to, you know, carry it on and uh, improve on what I have um, right now, and just try to keep on getting better. Uh, Jeff wants to know any truth to the rumors I'm hearing out of Boston and seeing on the internet about Clay Thompson going to the Celtics. Well, at practice the other day, head coach Steve Kerr debunked the trade rumor in his usual, uh, well, his usual sarcastic style. Brian hasn't called me yet, so uh, if, if Brian wants to call, then uh, then I'll get Bob on the phone, and then Bob and I can pick his brain and we'll, we'll figure out what we should do. And finally, Frank wants to uh, chime in and give an opinion. He said, first time watching Devin Booker live. He says, that boy has game. He He's another baby-faced assassin, but like Clay. And, you know, that's a real interesting comparison there. I think, I think he is a player that's going to be really, really good. And there was one play uh, on Sunday night, one play on Sunday night that I really was impressed with. He had a drive at the top of the key, and you could see him. He kind of just slowed down so he was under control, and he reached out long with his, his right arm and flipped it up and in. It was really impressive for a guy that just turned 20 to make that move in an NBA game. I think Devin Booker and the Suns is going to be a player to watch, and if you're a Warriors fan, a player to keep your eye on because he's, he's going to make life difficult uh, for Golden State in years to come. Well, there you go. Another edition of Warriors Vox on Twitter. That's Warriors V-O-X, or send me an email at T-I-M-R-O-Y-E at Warriors.com. It's a weird time in the schedule because when the Warriors come back on this road trip, it'll be time for Thanksgiving. And, and what a great time of the year to remember all the blessings that we have and be thankful for the family and friends that we enjoy. The Warriors are constantly trying to give back to the Bay Area community. And recently, Warriors guard Sean Livingston and assistant coach Willie Green joined Warriors season ticket holders, front office staff, and PG&E employees for a local Warrior event. They made 5,000 meal bags for the Sacred Heart Community Service down in San Jose and other local organizations providing critical food service programs. Livingston and Green also helped load a fleet of trucks that delivered the food to six elementary and middle schools in the Allen Rock Union Elementary School District and in doing so provided good meals and good wishes for the students. The event is part of the Warriors Back to School in the Bay campaign where the team is hosting several events and local schools and playgrounds across the Bay Area aiming to impact over 10,000 Bay Area Area kids and guide them through the 2016-2017 school year. Just another story in the continuing efforts of the Golden State Warriors to try and help make the Bay Area an even better place to live. Just want to um, thank PG&E um, just for being here as well, putting on this event, uh, Sacred Heart, all the volunteers. This wouldn't happen without you guys. I just see you guys working hand in hand, working to just happen. Anytime you can give back to the community is always great. Uh, we live in this community, 
Um, we play in this community, we, we want to have an impact in this community, and I think the Warriors are doing a great job of doing that. I think an event like this speaks uh, volumes about the commitment to the community uh, that the Warriors have, and, uh, and we're just proud at pg &E to be able to partner with the Warriors to uh, do great events like this. When they go and do things like this, which is giving back to the community, coming out to the same community that, that actually supports them, right? When they come back out and, and return the favor, if you will, and say, hey, we're here as well to invest in this community, uh, to say thank you, to help however we can. I think that sets a great role model for our community members, our youth, to say, that's, you know, that's what I want to be like. So much of what they do is uh, spread the love around the Bay Area. Efforts like these, it really shows and demonstrates their commitment to the community. It's about community building overall. This is where it starts. Um, it starts off of the court, impacting the community, you know, getting behind the community and the fans as well. And then everything else translates on the court. The Splash. Quick release. Splash. Has returned. This is Beyond the Arc. Presented by Mountain Mike's Pizza. Being a Warriors insider gives you the inside scoop before anyone else. Enjoy access to ticket pre-sales, and for every home game this season, an insider will be randomly selected to win a pair of tickets. Become an insider today at warriors.com slash insider. I had Tim Roy and a chance to catch up with an old friend along the NBA trail, and that is Sekou Smith of NBA.com. He's been covering the NBA for decades. You see him on NBA TV. Who better to give us the 10 games in analysis of the NBA and the Golden State Warriors? It's funny because it it's, it's early in the season. There's no doubt about that. But then I realized this morning that, you know, the Warriors have played 10 games, so they're one-eighth of the way there. It's, 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 uh, it's, it's crazy how quickly, once the season starts, you get to certain levels. Yeah, I don't remember the last season ended. Um, <laughs> you know, it seems like it through free agency and then rolled right into this season. So it's, you know, I, I think it's really become one of those deals, too, for the players where it's kind of a seamless transition from one phase of the season to the next. You know, they go from the end of the season to free agency for guys that are dealing with that to their summer work um, and then right back into being with their teammates grinding and, and you look up and it's Thanksgiving and Christmas and before you know it, we're in the thick of it. So I'm glad it's back. Glad that we get to talk about basketball again and, and glad that we get to see these teams and, and how they're going to evolve throughout the course of the season. Let me ask you about that because you, when you think about the, uh, the season as a whole, now, you know, we're talking about shortening preseason because the guys don't need it. They're in, they're in better shape than ever. Uh, they're working on their stuff all summer long for the most part. Uh, and now that we throw into that mix, sometimes volatile, uh, social media. So it, it's, it's, it's interesting because I think the fans now keep up with the players almost on a daily basis. How, how do you think that's changing the way the fans and players interact? You know, that's a great question. I think they're all, I think the fans are as integrated into the process now as they've ever been before. You know, social media allows you that, that access. And I think the players, and there's, you know, continuous activity on social media promotes it. And I really love it. I like that we have, you know, that kind of direct interface between players and fans. I kind of wish it was around when I was a kid. Um, but I think it changes the dynamic in terms of, these guys are really putting themselves and their activities out there for the world to see at all times. Um, so it's not just what you're doing 
with your summer work. And, you know, I saw a lot of guys had, you know, videos on Instagram and stuff over the course of the off season, you know, them shooting and working out, you know, and doing different things. But it's, it's truly, you know, a, a completely immersed process, you know, it's, um, you know, these guys really digging in and doing, you know, doing the entire process from training to, you know, where they eat after games, um, you know, you, you get a chance to know as much as you want to about the players, and sometimes a little bit more than you probably want to know about someone. Yes, I've I've seen a little bit a little bit more of J.R. Smith than I've ever wanted to, but okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but but you know, but they're kids again, and that's the other thing I I keep reminding myself they're they're twenty year olds, and I made a whole bunch of decisions when I was in my twenties I probably shouldn't have made. Uh, but but you know, it's interesting. I, I I think it's it's great for the fans in the sense where. You know the access that they have now. You know, even just—it's amazing. I'll take a picture when uh, shoot around gets opened up and everybody comes on in, and I'll take a picture of, of guys just warming up. And people—people people really love that. They love having that access, which I think the NBA is as good as anybody in giving the fans that access. Yeah, I mean, look, I, my youngest son knows more about what the players have going on, and I—if he's on Instagram, you know, twenty-four-seven. Um, so he's always asking, "Hey, did you see what such and such did on you know put on his Instagram?" And I'm like, "No, because I don't stare at my phone all day and night like you do." But it, <laughs> but that's you know, another it, that's for another show. <laughs> yeah, but it's the way the league has has really plugged into the fans, and the fans are able to plug into what's going on in the league. And I and I think you know, J.R. Smith, you know, bare chested, not you know, not included. There isn't really a whole lot that they do that I don't like on social media because I think it does give you a window to peer into and find out what these guys are thinking and and what they got going on, Um, you know, sometimes in a a way that we can't convey as the media, you know. um, It's one thing to see a guy at shoot-around doing something. It's another thing to see him on his own time in his personal life and and how he interacts with his family or how he interacts with other fans. I mean – to me, all of that is is what makes the league so appealing. It's what makes the NBA, to me, the one sport out of all the professional sports in this country and really around the globe where fans feel like they can literally reach out and touch these guys at all times. That's a good thing and a bad thing, obviously. You don't want it to go over to the edge, but I think it's what endears the game to fans of all ages. Young kids, they get to follow you know, their heroes at, like this. I mean, if I could have done this when I was a kid watching – you know, Magic and Larry and these guys, if, if I'd have had this kind of access, I would have been ecstatic. I mean, it would have been the greatest thing ever. Yeah, we really would have been really cool. Let's We're talking with Seku Smith here on Beyond the Arc, Warriors radio, radio show here on 95.7, the game FM, crystal clear FM. Uh, I, Tim Roy, and, and uh, the Warriors head out their first East Coast road trip, so I want to get your thoughts on a couple of teams. We'll start off with Toronto and Boston. Uh, Toronto just has this, uh, you know, sometimes I look at them and I'm not sure I really love the way they play. They may not have the most efficient scoring team going but but they just have this certain grit about them that they kind of you know grind their way to victories and they hang around in games with with their defense for a long period of time and and I really like I, I like their uh their makeup in terms of of their emotional makeup of their team. Yeah, and I, and I really think you know Dwayne Casey deserves a ton of credit for that because he's he's really fostered that in in that team over the past few seasons. Um you know, and there's something about empowering 
you know, young stars to really take ownership of the team. I think he's done a great job of that with Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan, who's playing fantastic. Um, they play a bit more of a Buster Lip style. You know, they're not they're not the pace and space squad. That, you know, like a lot of people might be into right now. But you know, to me, you have to really play a way that your talent dictates. And if that's the kind of talent they have, if that's the, the bulldog mentality of their best players, and I think it's specifically Kyle Lowry, um, it, it's smart to feed into that. It's, it's wise to not try and follow the crowd in the NBA and, and do your own thing. And if that means going against, you know, kind of the prevailing wisdom of how you want a team to play, so be it, as long as you get the results they're getting. And, you know, a conference finals appearance last year, come back, started this season really looking good, looking like a team that's in a groove and really understands, you know, their their roles from, you know, from man to man. And I think that, you know, gives you an edge early in the season. That gives you, you know, the option of really coming into a season and playing at a high level early on, which, you, as you know, if, if you're going to harbor, you know, you know, any ambition of being a championship caliber team, team that's going to fight its way through the, you know, to the conference finals and perhaps through there, you have to start the season with that mentality. That has to be your focus and really your, your theme from training camp all the way through to, you know, to the end of the season. Tell me a little bit about what you see with the Boston Celtics and, and they added Al Horford this year. Uh, are they eventually going to be a number three team in the East, maybe behind Toronto? You know, I, it's weird. I love Al Horford's game. I thought he was a great fit in Atlanta. And I, you know, when the deal went down, I thought, well, that's a good, a good piece for Boston. But I don't know if Al makes Boston the team they think he's going to make them. You know, he was on an Atlanta team that I think was stronger than what Boston brings to the table, and they couldn't get a game off Cleveland in each of the last two, you know, playoffs. Um, so I don't know that I think not at this stage and, and not even when the deal was done that Boston magically moved itself into a better position by adding out. I don't think their supporting cast around him in Boston is better than what he played with in Atlanta. And that wasn't good enough in Atlanta. You know, Al and Paul Millsap and those guys could not break through against Cleveland. And I don't, I don't really see Boston being able to do it either. I don't think they have the pieces seasoned enough or good enough yet to challenge Cleveland for that number one spot and maybe not to challenge either Atlanta or Toronto for the number two spot. Do you roll dice if you're Boston and maybe pull the trigger on a deal, maybe for a, a DeMarcus Cousins or someone like that? Absolutely. I mean, you know, and Danny Ainge has never been shy about, you know, uh, making calls, taking calls, trying to be aggressive, you know, in terms of putting his team together. But, yeah, I don't think you have time to waste because, you know, if you think about the window in the Eastern Conference, wherever LeBron James is, his team is obviously the favorite to make the conference finals and represent, you know, the East in the finals. So if you're going to wait, like some teams I'm sure looking at it and going, well, you know, LeBron's there, he's still in the prime of his career. We can't challenge them without a, a, a superstar or a player of equal ability. And you're not going to find one in the Eastern Conference. There's not another guy in the East who's going to put you in a position to challenge LeBron's team in that manner. So that means you have to find, you know, a, a wild card. And a guy like Boogie Cousins would certainly be that for an Eastern Conference team trying to change their DNA. Um, 
and you got to go out and, and do whatever it takes to get your hands on one of those guys if you're serious about mounting that challenge against the Cavaliers right now. Sekou Smith, NBA.com, joining us, longtime follower of the National Basketball Association here on Beyond the Arc at 95.7 The Game FM. And Sekou, with, with the last two uh, games on our Road Trip Cup coming, the Warriors will go to Milwaukee, where they lost last year, and then also to Indiana. And I, I look at Milwaukee, and I'm, I'm, I'm trying to figure out exactly where they're headed. I'm not really sure what the plan is. And then I look at Indiana, and I see a lot of good pieces there, but they really haven't been able to put it together so far. Is that a fair assessment? Yeah, and, and I think a lot of it is, you know, at the start of a season when you've changed the makeup of your team as much as Indiana has, you got to give them until probably sometime between Thanksgiving and Christmas to get a really good gauge of who they are. And, and that's the time they need as well to figure it out. Milwaukee's a different experiment. You know, um, that is, that's that chemistry class I took in 10th grade where, you know, you, somebody's tinkering and playing around and trying to figure out if they can get all this stuff into, you know, the tube and it doesn't explode. Because I don't know that they have the right mix of pieces to play the way Jason Kidd wants to play and certainly to play through, you know, the, the Greek freak at point guard and really allow him to do what he does absolutely best. You know, they, they added Greg Monroe and, you know, if you're a team that's trying to play up tempo and get up and down the floor, he wouldn't be the ideal big man that you would put on that team. And they did that two summers ago. I, I just think they're trying to figure out who and what they are. And it's an ongoing process that we see has continued on into this season. Seiko, I've asked you about the teams on our road trip, but the, uh... As you look around the league, what uh, teams and what stories are catching your eye? Well, look, I think there's no doubt that the, you know, the Cavs and the Warriors are kind of eyeing each other from afar. Everybody knows that. Um, I have no objection to, to watching the three-peat of those two in the finals. And, you know, you don't want to wipe away an entire regular season, but certainly no one will be complaining if we get those two teams in the finals. But I really, I really like what the Clippers are doing early. Um, I think they feel a sense of urgency, kind of a bit, you know, it's now or never for them to mount a challenge, uh, you know, to the Warriors in the West. So that'll be interesting to watch how they continue to evolve and if they can stay healthy enough to do that. Um, I think Russell Westbrook, of course, having to rechart his course in Oklahoma City without Kevin Durant becomes a huge story night after night. You watched him pile up the triple doubles like we haven't seen anybody do in years uh, throughout the first 10 games or so of the season. That's going to be an interesting story to continue to watch. And then, of course, the Warriors. You know, it's hard to to not want to sit and watch every single game. And obviously, married to our league pass, you know, to make sure we don't miss a game. But <laughs> it's just such a an interesting thing to, to see a, a powerhouse team like that put together. And I, I laughed, you know, opening night, everybody was kind of shaking their head, wondering what's going on. And I thought, I remember doing the same thing about Miami when, you know, LeBron James and Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosch got together. And I learned my lesson, you know, from right. making too many snap judgments when you put that kind of talent together. They need time to really figure out, you know, how the pieces fit and how they're going to operate together. And they've really accelerated it to me, um, if you compare it to what Miami did. Uh, you know, Miami needed about 17, 18 games before they really got an understanding of how they were going to function as a group. I think the Warriors are there already. I think their their issues are coming from something else, which is, they were a defensive backbone team 
you know, even, even with all the great three-point shooting and all the offense they generate, they were really a defensive-minded team when they rose, you know, to championship level. And when you take away Andrew Bogut and, and some of the role players they had, it, it requires some tweaking, you know, from Steve Kerr and his staff. And I also think there's no question not having Luke Walton around in the role he played that was so vital for this team um, has changed some things as well. So they're just trying to figure it out. It's, it's fun to watch. So, I mean, I, I can imagine how much fun it is to watch up close because it's fantastic to watch from afar. It's really, it's really amazing. You know, there was a, there was a moment, and again, I think they're, like you said, they're a work in progress. You know, I don't think they've even gotten close to where they can go, uh, especially on the defensive end. But there was a moment, Sekou, in in in, uh, in preseason, we were down in San Diego practicing there, and I'm looking around, and there's Steph taking shots at one hoop at the end of practice, and Clay's at another hoop, and then I look behind me on the two hoops behind me, and there's Steve Nash working with Kevin Durant on coming around screens. I'm going, wow, things have, things have changed a little bit around here. <laughs> these, yeah, these, these aren't your I dad's mean, warriors anymore. It's uh... Yeah, I mean, and that's like I said, that's the beauty of it. Um, you know, you when you're around teams that are playing at a championship level, you kind of have to stop and take it in every now and then just to see exactly the Absolutely. work and the grind that it takes to play. And I tell people this all the time, I don't think there's any – way you can overstate what type of physical toll it takes on your body to play to the last game of the season in, in successive years and sometimes, you know, four years in the case of some players that are in the league right now, LeBron and some others. So I just think, you know, when you factor in all of the stress, mental, physical, emotional, to be able to do that, to get on that horse and ride it day after day is magic and you got to really soak it up and enjoy it while it's going on. Yeah, it's great. It's great just to step back once in a while and remind yourself just uh, how remarkable this all is. And just, uh, as you say, just kind of soak it in. Seku, always great to uh, chat with you. When will we see you, uh, either on the road or at home? Well, listen, you definitely see me when you're in Atlanta. Um, okay. I, I am trying to fist fight with, with everybody else at our shop in trying to get to a home game, a Warriors home game. But Scott Howard Cooper being so close, um, in Sacramento, he beats us off to the punch. But I've got my eye on uh, some hotel reservations for June in uh, the Bay Area. So I'm, I'm kind of sticking to that and hoping that we get a chance to see that again. Well, hopefully, uh, well, I'm, I'm sure we'll see you in Atlanta, but hopefully we'll see you somewhere else. And, and uh, I, I look forward to seeing you in June. That would be cool. Thanks, man. Appreciate All it. Right. Always great to catch up with Sekou Smith. I'm Tim Roy as we get ready for the road trip. Warriors here in Toronto. And Raptors head coach Dwayne Casey not happy with the computerized NBA schedule that uh, gives him a Warriors-Cavaliers back-to-back. The, the computer that spit out the schedule, I'm, I'm going to find it and, and break it, you know, <laughs> break the keys on it. Uh, but again, it's, it's the schedule. It is what it is, and it's a good challenge for us to – uh, the top teams in the league um, that we got back-to-back, and it's a good test for them. When we come back on Beyond the Arc, we'll look ahead to the four-game road trip. The Warriors going east into the Midwest. All right here on 95.7 The Game, Crystal Clear FM. Curry with another three, three, three. Tim Roy takes you back to three-point land. He's got another three. As Beyond the Arc continues. Presented by Mountain Bikes Pizza on the Golden State Warriors Radio Network. 
Beyond the Arc wrapping up here on 95.7 The Game. No static at all. Upcoming broadcast brought to you by Cash Creek Casino Resort. Play here. Play the best. Visit CashCreek.com for upcoming concerts and events. The Warriors start the road trip here in Toronto tomorrow afternoon, your time. Back on the West Coast where the Warriors take on the Raptors 4.30. With the pregame shows, Golden State will have the task of trying to slow down the scoring machine that is DeMar DeRozan. Cross court to DeRozan. Pull up jumper on the elbow. Got it. DeRozan cool as the other side of the pillow knocks it down. After Toronto, the Warriors will head to Boston on Friday afternoon, 4.30 the start time, on 95.7 the game, and another dynamic scorer. His name is Isaiah Thomas. It's in the hands of Isaiah. Isaiah to his left. Bump, stays alive, drives left side, puts it off the window and in to tie the game with 7.4 to go. Pelicans do not have a timeout. For the second year in a row, the Warriors will leave Boston after that 4.30 start on Friday with the pregame show and then head right to Milwaukee for a game the very next night. 5 o'clock with the pregame show. The Warriors in Milwaukee to take on the Bucks and the Greek Freak. Hand off to Giannis. Driving, spinning in to the basket. Scores. Wow, what a move. A pirouette, and then he seemed like he was too far away from the basket to get there, but scored anyway. And the Warriors will wrap up the road trip in Indiana on Monday night, 3.30 with the pregame show, Warriors and the Pacers. And when you talk Pacers, you not only talk Paul George, but former Warrior Monte Ellis. Ellis on the drive against Fournier, got into the lane and dumped in a right hand. Warriors and Pacers, 3.30 the start time on Monday, and then next week, Beyond the Arc moves to Tuesday night, 7 o'clock with the show, a wrap-up of the four-game road trip next Tuesday night at 7 o'clock. By the way, the Warriors will come back and play on Wednesday against the Lakers out at Oracle, and you can get your verified official Warrior tickets at warriors.com or call 888-GSW-HOOP and press option number one. Hi, right, Tim Roy, that's going to wrap up Beyond the Arc for another edition this one Canada style here in the Toronto and we want to thank our guests tonight of course JaVale McGee of the Golden State Warriors and Sekou Smith of NBA.com thanking producer R.C. Davis don't forget Zach and the Guru is next right here on 95.7 The Game This has been Beyond the Arc There's a point I won't go beyond Tim Roy's weekly rundown of all things Golden State. Presented by Mountain Mike's Pizza. Shoots a three. Got it. Top of the circle. Three by Curry. For tickets, call 1-888-GSW-HOOP.